Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Tulsa podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting cornerstonetulsa.org. There you can read all about our journey through the year of the Bible. We gather every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock, and we'd love for you to join us. If we can help you in any way, you can reach us at hello at cornerstonetulsa.org. With that, let's hop into today's teaching. So I'm really excited, you guys. Tonight, we are going to talk about Jesus. Um, But first, we need to talk about the Bible. Um, Just in the past year, I've allowed myself to admit something. The Bible is really dramatic. Um, I'm serious, and I've got some examples for you guys. I think of Moses parting an entire sea so that a full nation could walk through on foot, and then he just like put it back with his staff. Um, And I think of one of our readings last week when the prophet Elijah got mad at a group of young boys who were bullying him and he cursed them and two she-bears came out of nowhere and attacked the boys. Um, And this is my personal favorite. Paul, the apostle, was giving a sermon that was so long and went so late into the night that a boy who was there, he was sitting on a ledge, he fell asleep, fell out of a window, and died. And so Paul naturally pauses the sermon, goes downstairs, raises him back to life, and then just casually goes back upstairs and finishes his sermon. So there's some drama, which I just think the Bible is really funny. I think um, it's strange and it's exciting. And when we interact with it, we're going to find some really cool stories. Um, And that's just, it's captivating. Um, So we're going to talk about a dramatic story tonight. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, It's full of drama and twists and turns. Um, And so we're going to talk about the Last Supper that Jesus shares with his 12 disciples. Um, And in the life of the church, we call this day Monday Thursday. Um, So we're going to look at John's perspective, and I love the Gospel of John. It's my personal favorite. Um, But I want to go and look through it because I think it's unique. I think we're going to get a fresh look at the stories that we hear all the time. And I think of it like, three of the gospel writers chose to tell the story of the gospel with watercolors, and John did oils. So we're just going to look at, um, we're going to look at John's story. So we're going to look at what happens that night. We're going to look at the subtext of what it all means, what Jesus did, and why he did it. And then we're going to talk about what that means for us today in 2019 in Tulsa at Cornerstone Church. So um, I'm excited. So go ahead and find John 13, and we're going to jump in. I'm going to read verses 1 through 15, and while I'm reading, I invite you guys to um, imagine that you're actually in the room with Jesus, and listen to what he's saying, and just think of how you would react or feel in these moments. All right. It was just before the Passover festival Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all 
things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered him, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you're clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. All right, so let's jump in. I want to look at the background of John 13. By the time we get to John 13, we're not in any ordinary week of the year. It's actually a really extraordinary week in Jerusalem. Um, So this is a week called Holy Week, and it's a ton of feasts that commemorate the history of Israel. And so Jews from all over the Middle East are in Jerusalem this week. So it's Full of people. Um, and on top of that, we know that this is probably the most religiously and nationally significant week of the Jewish year. So Jesus, we know from reading the Gospels, has been doing ministry for a couple of years. He's been walking around and traveling with 12 other men, and he's been letting everyone know, hey, the long-awaited kingdom that all the prophets of the Old Testament talked about is here. I'm making it happen right now. And he announced the kingdom through teaching and through healings. And some of those healings, they started just kind of raising eyebrows, um, but they ended up inciting a lot of rage from his contemporaries and a lot of the Jewish leaders. And in John 11, just two chapters before what we just read, Jesus had just done something crazy. He raised a man from the dead. And this was his white flag. This was his signal. Um, when, he, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, the Jewish leaders had had enough, and they decided it's time to get Jesus. Um, John eleven fifty three says, from the day Jesus raised Lazarus on, they made plans to put him to death. So everyone's in Jerusalem, including Jesus, including the people who want to kill Jesus, and there's some drama <laughs> So, and we're allowed to be like, that's really dramatic. Um, And so we know that something big is going to happen. All right, so um, Jesus also knows a couple things. He knows that there's a price on his head. So he wants to celebrate the Passover with disciples. So he has this secret meal set up for them to all share together. And I want to zoom in on one key detail that I think magnifies the drama a lot. 
this meal fell on the Jewish Passover. Um, and for those of you who have been doing Year of the Bible with us or who just know the story, the Passover is incredibly significant. Um, it comes from the times when God rescued the entire nation of Israel out of slavery. So we have got the Egyptians who have enslaved Israel for 400 years, and after years of crying out to God, Yahweh responds, and he sends Moses and Aaron to the Pharaoh of Egypt um, to negotiate with him, and, on, and he sends plagues on all of Egypt to announce, I mean business. I want Israel back. So Pharaoh doesn't listen to nine plagues on the nation, on the people, on the land, and so the tenth plague is going to be deadly. But God, he makes a way to keep the Israelites safe from this tenth plague and to enable them to escape from slavery. So God has every Israelite family mark their home with the blood of a slain lamb. And he says, and we'll put this on the screen, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood pass over you, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you. Okay, so the blood is going to go over the door, and the Israelites' lives will be spared that night, and in the morning they will escape from slavery. And I can see Israelite families connecting the dots and realizing because this lamb is dying, because this lamb is shedding its blood, I'm not going to. I'm going to make it tonight. I see them clinging to it throughout the night, um, in a terribly frightening time, they know that they're safe because of the blood. So this became the foundational story of Israel. Almost every book in the Old Testament mentions it. And Yahweh continues to connect with Israel on the basis of the fact that he rescued them from slavery. He says, I'm good, and you know that because I rescued you. So this is foundational. And by Jesus' time, 1,500 years later, they are still sharing this meal together to commemorate the Passover every year. Um, and this is the meal that Jesus and his friends were sharing that night. Um, so he timed, we know Jesus, we know he doesn't do things on accident. He timed this on purpose. They're sharing a meal to commemorate the Passover on the Passover. And I think Jesus did this because he knows something different. He knows something about Passover and about Exodus that none of his disciples knew and that no one in Jerusalem knew. Jesus knew that the Exodus and the Passover that happened 1,500 years ago was simply a shadow of something to come later. Jesus knew that there was going to be another Passover and that he was going to be the new and the final Passover lamb. And this time, it's going to be his blameless blood shed for the saving of many lives. So Jesus is at the table with his 12 disciples. Um, he knows that Judas is going to betray him in just a matter of hours. He knows that the Jewish leaders are stalking around Jerusalem looking for him. And he knows the end game. He knows he's going to die. And with all of this information in his head, you'd think that Jesus would crumble and not be able to form words, but instead he has a really shocking response. And it'll be up on the screen. It says, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So to understand the significance of this, we have to know a little bit about Jewish culture. So put yourself in Jesus' time. You are Jewish, and you probably walk around wearing chacos all the time because that's the holy sandal. And there's, like, dust everywhere and dirt and grime and probably animal poop all over the city. So your feet are nasty. Um, and so that is an important detail because people also shared meals on the ground. They were very low to the floor. They would recline at meals. And that means you can't avoid the nasty of your feet. Like, you have to address this. So in Jewish culture, feet washing was incredibly important. And so if you were the guest at somebody else's house, you would come and you would expect that your feet would be washed. And as are, like with many customs, this is set up in a certain way. So we've got wealthy homes, and if they could afford it, they would hire a servant whose sole job was to wash the feet of any guest who came to the house. And with homes that couldn't afford someone to do that, they would simply provide a basin of water, and you would wash your own feet whenever you went to someone else's house. So your feet always get washed, but the key detail is that there's only one type of person in all of Jewish culture who should have been washing feet, and that's a servant. No one should touch anyone else's feet that isn't a servant. So why is Jesus the one washing feet? Peter, he's our barometer for the weirdness of a story. So like if Peter's freaking out, probably everyone else is freaking out and they're just, they're just smart enough not to say it. So Peter speaks up and he's like, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. What are you talking about? Um, and he protests and Jesus responds to this protest by saying, Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. That's a really big sentence, and if I was Peter, I would never speak again, because that's intense to hear. Okay, so why did Jesus insist on doing this? What caused him to take up the place of a servant and wash the feet of 12 men who stink, and one of them is going to betray him? So first, I think Jesus did this, to show the disciples and us now another facet of God's personality. Um, he shows us that God has this personality of extravagant humility and kind tenderness. Um, and maybe you've thought about God as an angry God who has an agenda to punish um, or to correct you. And I relate to that. I've, I struggle with those thoughts. But I think Jesus is painting a picture completely different. Um, by washing the disciples' feet, Jesus is showing us that service, humble love, and willingness to get dirty are part of the DNA of God. It's his thing. And we know that because Jesus is God and he's doing this. And when I think of this, I also think of the woman in John chapter 8 who was caught in the act of adultery. And the religious leaders who caught her were ready to stone her and kill her and condemn her. And Jesus, in response to this, he stands up and he, and he clears the room. And he looks in her eyes and he restores her dignity and he says, go and sin no more. 
Never once does he shame her. And if you need more convincing, I also think of Zacchaeus, who was the tax fraud guy, number one, and he was a criminal. And Jesus, when he meets him, he says, Zacchaeus, I want to go to dinner at your house. And this was a mark of friendship. You, went to, you got lunch with people you were friends with. Um, and just by the end of the meal, Jesus hasn't said a word about his actions, and Zacchaeus is ready to change his life. And it's because he's been loved. And this is the way of God. And when Jesus kneels down on the floor to wash the feet of 12 dirty men, I think that's just more convincing us. This is the DNA of God. Um, I think to be washed by Jesus is to be acknowledged for who we really are. Jesus can come to us and say, one, I know your feet smell. Two, I know you're sinful. I know that you're broken, and I'm okay with it. I don't ever see Jesus in any of the Gospels being intimidated by sin. And how amazing is that? So, I just, I think that the God that Jesus reveals is kind and humble, and he's ready to get his hands dirty, and that's really valuable knowledge. And so that's, that's one of the reasons I think he washed the disciples' feet, just to give them another story to tell each other when they forgot what God was like. And what Jesus does next gives us our second reason. We're going to throw that on the screen. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place, and he said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And Aaron touched on this a second ago. He said, how are we going to love if we don't know God's love? And I think this is the second reason that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. When Peter protested, Jesus said, if I don't do this, you'll have no share with me. And when he says the word share, he means future. And we see right here that Jesus has declared that the disciples are going to be a group marked by extravagant love and willingness to bravely love thy neighbor and thy enemy. So Jesus has laid out their future, and he's saying, Peter, you're going to have to let me wash your feet if you're going to go and wash others. You have to know what it's like. And I just think of the silence in the room, because we have to remember that what Jesus just did was really weird. They would have been really uncomfortable, and we know that because of how Peter responded. But he's saying, you're going to do this too. And you guys are going to be a group marked by self-denying service. And I think that love is, comes foreign to us at first. The disciples didn't get it at first. We don't get it at first. We need to experience it firsthand. We need to know it. So the love that Jesus shows us through the washing of feet, through the cross, through becoming the new and final Passover lamb, is the love that we, in turn, get to reflect to the world. And that's where the word mandate comes from. We're hearing a new mandate. You are going to go and love all sorts of people. The people on the street corners who creep you out, and the people in the drugstores, and the lady in your Bible study who annoys you a lot, just like everyone. You're going to love all of them. And we have no ability to do that if we don't get it from Jesus. And I think that's why Jesus did what he did. 
So we're going to go to the table tonight, and we're going to share the meal of Jesus, and we're going to have bread and wine, which is grape juice, and we're going to experience this last supper that Jesus shared with his disciples. And as you go to the table, I encourage you to think about two questions. Am I letting Jesus love me? And I think in the Western church, this is a really serious question because we love to-do lists. We love responding and going and giving. But I think it's very clear from this story that Jesus takes this seriously. He wants to wash your feet and he wants to love you. So ask yourself, am I letting Jesus love me? And then second, ask yourself, Am I loving others with the same love given to me by Jesus? And we remember that Jesus washed Judas's feet. We get to love enemies because we have been enemies of God at some point. And we are freed into being his family now. And we get to share that love. So ask yourself those two questions as you go to the table tonight. And I'm going to pray for us. And then whoever's serving communion can come on up. Lord, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to come and reflect on what you did so long ago. Lord, I thank you for that last supper with the disciples when you turned society on its head and you taught them what real love looks like. I thank you for giving us an example and for allowing us to be a part of that. I ask that you would bless this communion um, and bless the rest of this holy weekend that we can learn about you and encounter your incredible love. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we trust you. Amen.